Hi guys, I'm André Villas Boas, listening to Echoes of Glory. And don't forget, whatever happens, the future is bright, future is lily white. Come on, you Spurs. Hello and welcome to Echoes of Glory, Season 11, Episode 5. I'm Jack. I'm Chris. I'm ASD. And we all had a tough day yesterday, didn't we? That was was a difficult watch. We'll go into the game and sort of talk about (laughs) tactics and those tonight, but I have to start with um, a brilliant story because I watched it with my dad. My dad come round. um, It's like, right, we'll rig the telly up, a couple of beers, cook some dinner, watch the game. it was obviously an extremely painful, painful match to watch as a Spurs fan, but it was made easier watching a man go through so much pain himself. And it, like, <laughs> I couldn't not laugh and smile at some points of it. Just like, I think when the third goal went in, just head in hands, just like not moving, not talking for about 10 minutes. It's so funny. Um, so it did ease the pain for me a little bit, just that there was somebody that was experiencing it way, way worse than I was yesterday. Um well, let's do that. Let, let's before we start, let's let's do two things. Let's separate yesterday with the overall direction we're going on. Yeah. So we can spend a little bit talking about yesterday because yesterday was horrendous. But I think there's bigger problems than just really. Yesterday. I mean, it was it was really, really tough, wasn't it? And I, look, we don't have a good record at the Emirates. We don't have a good record away at Arsenal. Right. And I think we need to put that out there first and foremost. We've won at the Emirates once in the Premier League. So just for context that people sort of saying we should be going and comfortably winning, you do have to bear that stuff in mind. Um, I know they're a terrible side and we're not great ourselves either. But for me, there's there's you can lose a North London derby. You can lose any kind of football game. There's ways of losing. And like yesterday, there were just so many examples of like people just not tracking back, not making making terrible decisions. And you just watch that. And that's where... I get incredibly frustrated as a supporter because I thought that Arsenal's three goals yesterday that I didn't really think they had to do a great deal to score them. And I said the same after Chelsea, the same after Palace. And it's like teams aren't having to carve us open. And, you know, if a Bamiang or whoever on the other team gets the ball, goes past two or three, puts it in the top corner, you sort of say you can't really do a great deal with that. But all of those goals yesterday were all completely avoidable. And that was just what's so frustrating um, and again, a couple of goals down, we just looked a beaten team. We looked completely beaten. Um, and we just don't seem to have that that resilience um, and that knack of let's just hang 2-0, just stay in the game. Well, like, you let an early goal in, just kill the game for the next 15, 20 minutes, you know, and just try and ease yourself back into it. But uh, I didn't feel like at any point, even at nil-nil the first five minutes, I did not feel that we were in the game whatsoever. It just seemed like this is only going one way today. And that was what was the most disappointing thing for me. Yeah. I mean, I was I was asked to go on Five Live to talk about it at 6.15, which is about now. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm busy. I'm talking about exactly exactly the same thing in more detail and with people I like. Um, but she asked me to send her a voice note. So I don't know if you're going to be able to hear this, like the worst radio ever. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to play you the voice note. It's only a minute. Just to say, if I was going to summarise where we are, 
in a minute for the radio. And if you can't hear it, just stop me and I'll I'll stop it. We always knew this was going to be a painful rebuild. I'm just not sure that we knew quite how painful it would be. It really was awful yesterday. We didn't show any drive, any zip, any desire. There were no leaders on the pitch and it wasn't clear what the plan was. I'm not sure we can put it all at Nuno's door because actually he's playing the way that he wants to play. He may not have the personnel for it. And let's get it right. Jose Mourinho decimated our team. He left them without any fitness, without any belief, without any identity, without any culture, and all about the cult of Mourinho. And that's going to take time to row back from. So actually, I want to see us get behind the team, get behind Nuno, and just see what we can do. Because after all, football is about so much more than football. It was terrible yesterday, but it was wonderful to see people that I haven't seen for a long time, that community, that feeling of hope and excitement that then slowly turns into misery. That's what we're all there for. So, I, and the only other thing I would add to that, having listened to that, because that was just my stream of consciousness, is I'm also slightly worried about the disconnect between our recruitment and the management. And all yeah. you, it was really obvious yesterday hadn't thought about it that way and I know everyone's talking about it today but you know we hired a director of football six weeks before the manager who was already recruiting so you've already got something and I read something today that nearly made me cry which was that we were really close to a deal with Paolo Fonseca who by all accounts has got a real attacking philosophy you know like reading about him and how he wants to play and who he is sounded much more Spurs like and Pochettino-esque actually and Paratici put the um, put the stoppers on it because it wasn't defensive enough, you know. Yeah. And we we know all about Italians and Catanaccio, so I, I don't know. I'm 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 slightly worried that we've kind of got the structure wrong again. It feels like I, for me it was I was having a great day on Sunday. Lewis won, you know I love Lewis. He got hunt the first driver to get to 100 wins in a Grand Prix. Overtook Verstappen now at the top. Love that. Um, I did see a guy dipping his testicles in some glitter. I mean, that was pretty nuts. And then, <laughs> and I then, see um, that all you... the time in the medical school. If ever I went for a drink in the medical school at university, that was what they used to do. <laughs> and then, um, so I was having a good day. But I'm not Anthony Joshua's biggest fan, right? Because I, I think he's just he's a bit like Jack Whitehall, where he's been grabbed by the Sky PR wagon and he's been overhyped and he, he was found out again. But I think if there was ever if there was ever a a, a signifier of, of how the brand is doing, it was that the stadium full light PR. It was perfect for what I'm sure Daniel Levy, if he could have chosen that way round, he would have had a perfect event, which made loads of money in his brand new stadium. And Spurs made, you know, a two-goal loss to Arsenal away, which we'd probably do anyway. And that that is the bloated nature of the the structure. Now he's he's done a great job, but I think he's taken us as far as he could, and that it, it's it's just a disappointment. I think it was a disgrace yesterday. Really, I mean, you look at Harry Kane. What did he do? He did worse than nothing. You look at Delhi, worse than nothing. I'm sure we'll talk about in Dombele. And what what's the point of him? I thought Brian. Um, and I thought the substitutions were weird at halftime, going very defensive when we're 3-0 down. But then Brian came on, and who was the other one that came on and Skip. did really well? Skip did a great job. 
Um, I was really pissed at Hoiberg for the first goal. He just he just cantered back. He he should have been just running in there and stopping that. I'd, everything you said, Jack, is right. Everything you said is right. We, um, Chris, you sort of bridged that uh, the the where we're going versus the game. The game yesterday was a disgrace. I thought we were in a great place to go and win it. The, there's just nothing in the middle now. I don't know what what our plan is in the middle. There's no control. There's no identity. Um, I I I don't know what how we win games now. I don't know what the look is. You're right, Esther, but people are almost like, you see people on Twitter and reading what they're saying. It's like, people are acting surprised. And it's like, you just got to look at the squad and it tells you that we're shaky-ish at the back and we've got no balance in midfield. And we've been saying it all season. And I felt Hoybjerg had probably his worst game in a Spurs shirt that Mm. he's had since signing. Um, but I think that that just sort of shows how reliant we are on him in the middle. That if he has an off day, they absolutely carved us to pieces without really having to do a great deal. Um, I thought Skip, when he came on in the second half, I thought he did well. He put himself about a little bit. He knew we'd lost. He put a heavy tackle in, didn't he? I think it was on Thomas Party. Put himself about and was like, we're going to lose, but I'm going to go down with a little bit of fight. And for me like that, like just wanted to see a little bit more of that from the team and it's so frustrating. The midfield is is honestly it is such a problem for us. And I know we've got shaky centre halves, but that centre midfield area, like we've been playing a four three three, and it hasn't particularly been working. I think he's got to tweak the shape a little bit and go to a bit more of a four two three one. You have to bring Skip back into that team with Hoybjerg and to just have a bit more solidity and a bit more control in the middle of the park. Yeah. I know you haven't got a lot of creativity from those two, but we can't be letting in free goals every game it's like you can have the most creative players in the world if you're letting him free you haven't got a chance well you um, can't you're absolutely right jack because also you can't have a, a front three of those three and then play delhi and then Dombele behind them because you're playing two number tens yeah. and three forwards and so no wonder they were just cutting through us like there was there was no tomorrow the thing that frustrated me the most you're absolutely right about skip it's like look formations whatever whatever right that's fine but no one looked bothered. It was a North London derby. We haven't been in stadia for, you know, like, OK, we've been in stadia for the last five games. We haven't been in stadia for 18 months. And it's a North London derby there. You know, they were all talking about it. So I heard Arteta and Bukayo Saka on the radio this morning saying what an incredible atmosphere it was. I have never heard anything like it at the Emirates. Right. And I go there all the I go there all the time at the away games. And usually they're just they're, they're quiet. We were silent yesterday because we just got sucker punched from the first however soon that goal was. But they were it was electric in there and nobody looked up for it. No one said, I'm just going to try and take this by the scruff of the neck or at least I'm going to try something. You don't have to be perfect because I'd listen. If we lose three nil, we lose three nil, whatever. But at least look like you're interested. Yeah, that yeah. It. That was I think what bugs me as well is that like we've been three 0 down three games in a row, and mm. at no point have you heard after the game about a bust up in the Spurs dressing room. At no point do you see any of the players trying to dig each other out and make something happen. And it's like I just can't understand that. Like, look, I play football at a horrendous level, but if I, if I'm three 0 down in a game, you're not just going to take it. Like you're going to try and do something about it. And it's like I I can't for the life of me believe that uh, that in that dressing room at half time that Hugo or Dyer or some of the senior players weren't absolutely going for some of the others like that must have happened like it must all and if that hasn't happened then the problems are even bigger than we think because 
I just watch us on the pitch and I think we let a couple of goals in and they're all just sort of like looking around at each other being like, oh, what do we do now type thing? And it's like, well, you stay in the game. You make something up. And if you're getting beat technically, like make the game a bit nasty and a bit scrappy, like do something that's going to make the opposition uncomfortable. And for Arsenal yesterday, that was a perfect game for Arsenal. Time and space on the ball, no tackles, no physicality really whatsoever, spacing behind up. Like it was a perfect game for Arsenal and we just completely played into their hands. And um, it's really, really worrying. But having said that, at 3-1, we had a couple of opportunities. And I was started thinking, if you nick one more and it goes 3-2, no. well, you never saves. know. That you save never know. was unreal, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's too late by then, isn't it? The... Like Kane needs to look at himself. His legacy is not untouchable. Like you don't. And if you want to go to City or if you want to go to a team that's going to threaten to win the championship, then you have to do it at this level. And he, he can't be asked. And they're not was even he, going to want him. Was he at the fight on Saturday night? Maybe, maybe. Because I, I, I saw so. a tweet. I saw a, an Instagram story from his wife that was at the fight. I don't know. Maybe she went on her own with mm-hmm. her friends. But I wouldn't be surprised if they said to him, oh, you, and that is not where you should be the night before a North London derby. I don't care no. what it is. He just it, doesn't look bothered. Like, he really no. doesn't. It's like, we've watched Kane have slow starts to the season, right? And his sharpness is just not quite there. But you can, you've never, ever, ever been able to fault his determination and his effort. And the last two games, we've played Arsenal and Chelsea. It does not get bigger than that. And he's just not looked remotely bothered. Like, he does not care from, from... And I'm sure he probably does care, but you watch him and he's, just, he's not the same guy. It is not. No, no. Well, the the thing is, with his attributes, the way he works, he has to give 110 to look brilliant because he's not quick. He's not going to get around a lot. He... he this the the number ten and number nine thing is you, you you can't keep that going. So when he when he looks bad, he looks really really bad. I think I think Sun looked up for it yesterday. There's videos of him trying to g everyone up and Mora trying to g everyone up. I mean they're not the best, but I'd rather have their attitude because it always annoys me a little bit when people go on. You know you know you should be given hundred percent. And what what does that mean? Does that mean you should be running around? What does it, what does it mean you should look like you care? Because there's loads of players who try and look like they care, but whatever it is, it it definitely wasn't what was happening yesterday, and it, it was it was just a disgrace in the one game mm. a season. Like it's the, the one game a season that you do you you have to care. Like and it it just felt like a mockery to what Tottenham is really. What they did, it, it, there's no really other way of describing it. I, what, did I was, you, what did you make of what Nuno said after the game? Because he gave quite an honest interview, didn't he? And said that. You know, he held his hands up and said that he got the setup wrong, but also the blame basically wasn't all with him. Like the players are not applying what what they're trying to do on the pitch. So I, I actually I, I got quite a lot of respect for for Nuno, and I like him. Like he seems like I said, he seems like a good man, but at the minute he does look way out of his depth. And it, uh, I, the last few games has been so worrying because it's like I'm I'm not one that's saying we should be making a change. And I think after six games, I think it's. It would be extremely crazy. It'd be crazy for us to be talking about making a change. You've got to give him an opportunity, but you can't keep losing games like this. It's like if he lost like the next three or four, then I, I, honestly, I think he would be gone just because it's the manner of the defeats, you know, plus the plus the results. Whereas like we've we've watched Spurs over the years, and you don't have a good start to the season, but you're like you can see what we're trying to do. Whereas at the minute, I I don't know I don't know what we're trying to do with it. I don't know what a game plan is, and it looks like. Nuno's got an idea, but it looks like the players are sort of like scratching their heads, thinking, "I don't really know what I'm meant to be doing here," which is, which is so worrying. 
Yeah, it's 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 pretty. With him, you have to go. But we have to go back to basics now. What is your job as a manager? You need to get your team selection right, and then you need to get substitutions right. They're the first two things, and I don't think he's doing that right now. It's early days though, and does he have the players? And that this, you're totally right, Chris. What is this weird relationship between the? What is the role of a director of football? What, what is that role? Like, but, it, and a sporting director though as well. So I, that's I the other thing. It. It's like Daniel Levy and Steve Hitchin apparently wanted um, Fonseca because he fits with the, the DNA, for want of a better way of putting it. And Paratici put the kibosh on it. I don't understand what they're all doing. And I think you said this the other day, ASD. It's like sitting on the bench and remonstrating with the team or whatever. It's like no. You're supposed to be in the boardroom doing other things. Get upstairs and leave that to the manager and his coaching staff. Because you're right, you do need to pick the team and make the substitutions, but you've also got to ready them for the game. They yeah. don't look ready. You know, you saw saw those stats about how we've got the fewest shots on goal and the most, whatever, all that sort of things. But we've also covered the least ground. Yeah. You know, Pochettino had them so fit. And that's why I say Mourinho decimated us because, like, the fitness went right through the floor in Mourinho and he hasn't got it back. And my worry about Nuno is I do like him and I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to sort of, I'm not going to start calling for his head. I, I don't know whether if this job is too big for him. It's, yeah, I'm definitely not in a place where I'm calling for his head. A lot of people Absolutely. are and they're very reactionary and that's not the way. I mean, it, it's 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 just poor by the players I, there's just it's just a mess and I think Pochettino just said it. it it just always comes back to Pochettino I've no idea why we fired the best manager in the generation to go through what we've we've done I think the Mourinho thing was a, a massive mistake which everybody thought really at the time there weren't many people who thought it was a good idea to get rid of Pochettino because what Pochettino was saying was this whole club needs a rebuild. The whole squad needs a rebuild. And do you remember, was it his last season where he moved from manager to coach? Because yeah. his, and that, that was the single point. That was the yeah. butterfly effect. That was the point where we've been spiraling and we are on a, to quote AVB, a negative spiral of results. But results of, of culture, results of show, sociability, results of football, it's, it's just a shit show at the moment. And it's just very showing that we're very successful, that we've got the longest bar in Europe and we've got, you know, AJ fighting and the the club, the team are a bit of an embarrassment. Really, it was embarrassing yesterday. And just I just well. think about oh. I just think about Emerson Royal, who was Barcelona's next big thing. He's come over and gone. What am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> what is this chaos? In it. He doesn't look any better than Aurier either at the moment, does he? When he's played, but well, he... I wanted to I wanted to talk about the players as well because if you look at that starting eleven. Apart from Hoybjerg and Reggie, that is the same. Oh, he's gone again. So it's like we're talking. We've been talking about re- rebuilds and all of this and bringing players in. We've still not done it, and it's like I know we brought Romero in, and he's you know he's played a few games, but like the the squad is still very very similar, and it's like people are expecting the same group of players to all of a sudden be able to put a run of performances together and it's like you can't keep doing the same thing and be expecting different results like it doesn't happen and it's like the like i said nine of that starting 11 pochettino could have picked so it's like it, we're not progressing on the pitch or off the pitch at the moment which is what is so concerning to me and it's like there are a lot of people that were saying we had a, what a brilliant transfer window and it's like we did well getting rid of some of the deadwood but our starting 11 and our squad is still not good enough and it's like 
I think we will be doing really, really well to get seventh, eighth this season. Honestly, from the, the first six games we've had, I think that we'd do so well to do that. And that just shows you it, how quickly you can fall from being in a really strong position if you don't make the right decisions. Yep, 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 yep. Um, I, th- I, th- I still think the transfer window is good considering we're re- repaying the stadium and we're coming off a year of COVID, with, so no income. Like that, that bit's fine. The squad, yeah, I mean, you look at Liverpool, they didn't buy anyone and they're, they're not going to win the league this year. I don't care what anyone says, they're, they're going to struggle. Like you, you, can't, you have to move, you have to run twice as fast as you were last year just to, to beat them. You know, like City will just keep keep on bringing in new talent and selling off old talent and it doesn't matter that they need to keep it. Like, that's who we're, if that's who we're trying to fight, we're not going to win. It, it, who, who, are we, who are we realistically fighting then, cause now then? So it's not, because yeah, the top four is now, because it, it used to be the big six and it's not the big six anymore. I think in terms of like social media followers, we're probably in the big six, but it, it is now a top four again. It is yeah. United... City, Liverpool, Chelsea, and then really it's just the best of the rest because you've got West Ham who are going to do well this year. They're looking all right. Everton, Spurs, Arsenal, Leicester, Villa. Villa. You know, like Leeds are dropping out, which is great. Those sides outside the top four you've mentioned there, I think will be the bottom end of that group of clubs. I really do. I think we'll be ninth or tenth come the end of the season. I just can't at the moment see how... We get out. We've been poor in the league for like two and a half years. Do you know what I mean? It's not like a recent. It's been a long, long period where we've been poor, and it's like with the same group of players and a manager who, so far, is not covering himself in glory tactically. I struggle to see, apart from Kane and Son winning games basically on their own, like what they've done the last eighteen months. I struggle to see how we can put together a, a proper run of results to finish any higher than that. I think we've got enough quality in the side to beat the likes of, you know, Burnley, Newcastle, these kind of sides. But I think anybody in and around us, I think we're going to find it really difficult. Yeah, well, that Wolves, we should have beaten Wolves, like 2-0 up in, in the week as well. We haven't really talked about that and they shouldn't have been able to come back. Yeah. But that was a bit of an embarrassment as well. Um yeah, it's 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 a bit dire at the moment. So what what do we need to do? Well, if you if you were Levy and you say right, Nuno, you've got ten games to save yourself. What would you go away and do if you? This Nuno? is the problem, though, isn't it? It's like because we've got high expectations still. Like we can't. A manager hasn't got time, and it's like unfortunately the position we're in. Like we need to sort of accept that the next this season and, and most of next season, it, we're not going to be fighting for top four for a no, while no, again now. So it's have. like. We need you, to we need to stick to our guns and we, they need to believe in Nuno and say to him, we're going to give you an opportunity. He needs to be brave himself, I think, and play the young players. And like I think the midfield now has to be Hoybjerg, Skip and Brian. Like I think that those three, that needs to sort of be the nucleus of that of that midfield. Um I think we've tried Undembele. Like I don't really want to talk about him again because it's just the same conversation, isn't it? But it's like loads of talent, he's not a good footballer. Um, Lacelso is always injured. Delhi, oh, I still—he's the one I don't want to give up on him still. But it's like at the moment, he hasn't shown he hasn't made good account of himself, has he really? Not at all. Not I just wonder all. if he's not in—I don't understand where he's playing though. Yeah, yeah. Well, See, like for me, like for me, I just think fo- football can be made really complicated, or it can be made really simple. And I think you have I to go. Sherwood. Yeah, you have to go. <laughs> 
you have to go back to bases and play four four two and have a bit of gut. No, um, <laughs> I think that the the statistics, Chris, that you mentioned about being out with with, with bottom for distance covered, like yeah. that's unacceptable. That is unacceptable, and it's like it, there's an old saying in football, isn't there? You have to earn the right to play. If in every game you're playing, the team are covering more ground than you, you're already massively on the back foot. So I think we need to try and get some legs and some energy in the side from somewhere. I think Skip brings that for us in midfield. So I think those two have to be enough. And we give Brian a bit of a run of games. He looks lightweight and he's young, but I've seen glimpses of him. And he's brave. Like he's, and, and he's a brave footballer. And by that, I mean, he's not going to go and headbutt someone. He'll take the ball in difficult situations and difficult points on the pitch. And he's not afraid of it. He's always looking to do something. Yeah. He's not looking to hide, and he's and he's available, and he doesn't want to hide. So mm. there's a lot of hiding yesterday. It's like the ball's there. It's like oh, who's available? Nobody. And when Brian got the ball, not only was he looking to to do something, to drive forward, to kind of be positive, he was also making himself available at every opportunity. So you know, I I agree. You want to see him have a run, but you also don't want to ruin him. There just needs to be some simple messages, which is like. All the tactics, all the formation, and you step out on the pitch, compete, like have a bit about you to be like, I'm not going to lose today. And like, I just think a lot of players don't have that. I'd have, honestly, like, I think a few of them players need to be taken out the side. I think Kane needs to be taken out the team. And I think it's had such a big impact um, on on the side, all the goings on in the summer. But I honestly, I think that it'd be a statement. And I think take him out the team for a couple of matches. Um We'll have a bit more pace and legs up front. I think we've missed Bergwijn a little bit the last couple of games and what he brings from a pressing point of view. Um, So hopefully we can get him back fit again. But I think he's got to make some decisions like that because at the moment, like we just can't see us getting out of a rut without him shaking things up a little bit. Um, Dyer and Sanchez at the back for me is a, you know, it's a recipe for disaster. Those back two. So I think he has to pick one of them and that whoever he picks out of them two. Why wasn't Romero playing yesterday? No one. I was shocked when I saw him not starting. Absolutely shocked. Um, so they, they had a couple of good games, didn't they? Um, Dyer and Sanchez. Just, just we, we talked about them well when they just did the job that they were asked to do um, when they had Skip and Hoiberg in front of them. I don't agree it's the right thing. I think he needs to just take more control. I, and the, I'm echoing what you're I'm putting it all in one bag. I'm saying, like, drop Kane. Tell Paratici and Hitchin get in the stands. You're not wanted on the bench anymore. Like yeah. th- this is my team, and if if you're going to play my way, then it has to, everything has to be my way. And yeah, just just make it your team anymore. Like it's, it's a bit too much. Like, like my, I went around my um my brother-in-law's house for the first time the other day, and he loves his animals. Right, he's got guinea pigs and uh, rabbits, and he's, he's with a he's not a new girlfriend, but she's she's been around what, two years. But on the wall, he's got a picture like a, a drawn picture that he got of his guinea pigs with his ex's guinea pigs. And like that, I was like, you need to get rid of that. That, that, that's still here. That needs to go. And it's a bit like what we've got here. He needs just to take everything out and make it his own Nuno. And it like that, that letter that Levy wrote is really coming back to bite him about the Spurs way. And it, hmm. it they have to make that the effort. I'd rather lose five nil, like going for it than three, one, just just not even turning up yesterday and that's what he has to do is just say right we're, we're just going to go for it now we're going to and this is our plan this is how we're going to control it and you'd think wouldn't you, if you you'd think Nuno would like and this might sound a bit twisted but you'd think he'd want to fail doing it his way 
rather than fail sort of not really doing what he wants to do. And like, I get the impression at the moment that he wants to play the youngsters, but he's almost not 100% sold on the idea. He's playing the more established, experienced players and they're letting him down time after time after time. And I hope that after Chelsea and Arsenal, he looks at that and he says, you players that might have cost 40, 50 million... No, you've not. I've given you opportunity. You're not doing it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play Skip. I'm gonna play Brian. I'm gonna give these lads a go because what we're doing at the minute is not working. And like, and then if it doesn't work, at least he can walk away and be like, well, it didn't work for me, but at least I gave it everything and I did what I wanted to do. Because it'd be like any of us going into our jobs, wouldn't it? And sort of being told what to do all the time and being like, oh, it's not working. Like eventually, you'd say, no, I want to change it. I want to do it my way. And again, if it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. But I just get the impression that. I hope after these two horrendous derby defeats that he looks at that and he thinks that 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 style, that group of players, I can't trust you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My only worry about that is what happens when we ruin them as well. (laughs) Ever the ever the optimist. (laughs) I know, but the thing is, is that there's something wrong with the culture. That's what I don't. I I haven't. I can't put my finger on what's wrong, but like. You know, if we put Dane Scarlett on yesterday, for example, would we have set his progress back? Yeah, I know what you mean. You've got to manage young players very carefully, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. Did um, you see? Um, I I can't believe Shaka didn't get sent off. I always can't believe that. But did you see what um, Gary Neville said about Deli Ali? And he he was talking about um the two kids yesterday from Arsenal, Saka and Smith Rowe, who played very well. And like mm. obviously they're doing goals. He said like. Um, just look at look at Delhi. Um, if they want a warning sign, they should look at Delhi Ali. Um, he said he could be one of the best midfielders this country's ever produced, but now he's just a shadow of his former self. Um, and the fact that Delhi's been given an example of what not to do is a really sad, sad thing. But hey, uh, we're going to talk about Tottenham women, or are we done with the men? I think so. Not just not just for the pod. I think in general. Forever. Well, yeah, I was thinking about just taking up dogfighting or just something else. <laughs> well, I got pelters from my mates yesterday for picking the wrong game because, of course, they went to the Hive and saw a proper battle between um, mm. Spurs women and Reading and uh, and a last and an 88th minute winner or whatever it was, which mm. uh, took them to the top of the table until um, Arsenal beat Manchester City. Like, I don't know if you saw that they beat them six one. Yeah. And you know, Man City, the 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 reigning. I know Chelsea won last season, but Man City are like a decent team. They have lost their, they have lost their manager. But yeah, we look good. Um, there was a great um article in the paper about the uh, performance psychologist, which is Helen Richardson Walsh. And I keep saying to Helen, it's got to be something to do with you, their resilience. There, and she was like, stop it, stop it. But you know, they do look good. We've got options that we didn't have before. You know, we brought on a Chinese international who played the through ball to Jess Naz. And that was the thing that I was saying is that it was it was her 21st birthday a couple of days ago, Jess Naz's. And uh, when uh, in Cypriot culture, when it's your birthday, you have to like um, give people like you bring a cake or something. So it was my birthday at work. I'd like take a cake cakes to work or whatever. And so uh, that was what I thought that Jess Naz gifted all of us a winning goal and three points for her birthday. So, yeah, I think that's exciting. Um, It's I want to make sure we hold our own on Wednesday night because we've got the FA Cup quarterfinal against Arsenal at their place. 
And, you know, that's always going to be a challenge because they're, you know, they're even better than they have been before. They've got a new manager, a new lease of life, etc. But again, all you want to do is just see that we've kind of made like made some effort and that the team are up for it, even though. And they're the underdogs and they're the underdogs and it's an FA Cup game. So, you know, anything can happen. Magic of the that. cup, isn't it? Exactly. But yeah, no, like it's really good. It's really good to see. And apparently there are quite a few people, more people than it was the first home game at the Hive. And um, and apparently there were there was a good number of people there. So I hope that the uh, the gate is increasing and that there's sort of an interest, more interest is shown in the women's team because I think we could do some interesting good things this season. Brilliant. Um, there's a couple of games this week as well for uh, the men's side. We've got Europa Conference League on Thursday, and then we have Villa at home on Sunday. I mean, Villa's going to be a tough game. Um, Thursday night. I mean, hardly um, elite opposition and an opportunity for players to get more minutes in the tank, isn't it? And hopefully win. Uh, and then Villa on Sunday. That I mean, you know, Villa are a decent side these days. Mm. Like They really are. You talk about the struggles we've had with our recruitment. They've recruited brilliantly, Villa, um, since coming back into the Premier League. Like I'm under no illusion that it's going to be a really, really difficult game. They've got some very, very good and dangerous players. And their front line of... Ings, Watkins, Bailey is like, oof, but that's going to cause beat, most defences some problems. Well, they just beat Man United, you know. It's, <laughs> Tottenham are going to be that difficult compared to them. Yeah, they're, they're just a team recruited well, they've got a plan, and that, that's going to be Good the manager. worst type of team. Good manager. That's the, the worst type of team that we're going to come up against, you know, a, a team with a real plan. Um, so, yeah. Are we going to be in a relegation scrap? Is that what this is? Our conversations are going to be this going to be in a relegation scrap, and at least there's going to be something exciting to talk about. I'm 100% sure we'll be we'll beat Leeds. You know, I was very sure we'd beat Arsenal. But let, let's gloss over that. <laughs> I'm I'm sure we'll beat Leeds because they'll just they play one way and we we tend to react well to that. And I think we're just better than some other teams. I think we'll be worse. I, I had to look at the league positions because I think it, this is just a return to mediocrity that. We, we were used to 10 years ago and that's yeah, just yeah. We, we've just been spoiled with a, another generation of amazing players and um, a great manager and now we're 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 in the dip in the middle and it, it's not great and I think we've just got to accept mediocrity I was very zen and peaceful yesterday just because I, it, it's it's where it's who we are you know I don't think we'll be in a renegade we're too we're too good for that and we'll still get results and there's too much quality in the final but like, Kane and Son do you know what I mean? You could put Kane and Son in the Norwich side, and do you know what I mean? They'd probably stay up. Like there's just there's, well, there's too much. Isn't that what they said about that West Ham team that got relegated? That there was too much quality in it. And Kane was in the Norwich side and didn't do it. So I mean, <laughs> proves you wrong. <laughs> didn't West Ham? They went down with like 42 points or whatever it was that year, didn't they? Which was like it's the highest ever. It was nuts. But I don't think we'll be in a relegation scrap, but I can't see. I think we'll be like I said the around about mid-table at the minute and yeah. that's just because I just think like Villa I think Villa at the weekend will be like a really good point of like where mm. actually are we at and yeah. like I expect that to be a really that's a 50-50 game for me like yeah. I think a draw it'd probably be a draw they could beat us if our attackers are on our game we could beat them but like I think that's sort of where we are now whereas like the last few seasons Villa at home you'd, we wouldn't have even really been speaking about it we'd have just gone yeah we'll win that like it would well, have almost been a bit of a nothing type game yeah, our next games: Villa, Newcastle in the league. I'm talking about West Ham away, Burn, Burnley in the cup, Man United, Everton. We've got to be getting points out of these now. I you know, am dreading the West Ham game. 
Oh, it's going to be Absolutely awful. Absolutely dreading it because they are going to. It'd be like it, honestly, it'd be like yesterday. You know, and it'd be like Chelsea. You know what's going to happen. You still go with hope that no, this will be the game. Yeah, but, me and me and Jay went to the last game. Like we were sat in the home ends for the last ever game at the Berlin, where they won one 0 with that header, and it was one of the worst things I've ever been to in my life. Um, I, it, it was just awful, and uh, it, yeah, I'm, I'm predicting much of the same. Well, that was one of the things that I was thought three nil yesterday, or just before half time. I was like, the worst. One of the worst things about this is that West Ham are better than both of us. Yeah, <laughs> probably put together as well. Can I say I've been laughed at for saying I'd take Antonio in our team, but I still think he'd do a job. I really do think, and I said that about Rondon. I think he'd do a job for us as well. But I will take being laughed at for that. I'm, and I mean, just do a job. I don't mean be a superstar. Yeah. I think you just do a job. Uh, I've... Actually, that's an interesting point, though, the doing a job. And I think that's probably, you've hit the nail on the head of what the problem is now, is that no one's actually doing a job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, Hoiberg just does what he does, and that is fine. Skip just does what he does, and that's fine. If you've got other people around them just doing their basic job, that's mm. fine. We just don't. Kane's not doing his job. Son, son is. more is, but he's not very good at it. And, yeah, just basics. Like Jack always says, basics. I've got... um. I've got a bit of a quiz, unless you've got anything. Oh, love it. No, let's well, do a quiz. Uh, do you know what happened 3,963 days ago on the 20th of November 2010? 2010? That was the last time we won at the Emirates in the Premier League. Right. And so all I'm going to ask you to do is just name the name the 11 that we started with, please. Okay. So right. we're starting in goal. Quite an easy one. Number one, Aurelio Gomez. One Radio Gomez, then number two at right back. Alan Hutton. Alan Hutton. Then Alan Hutton. We beat yeah. Arsenal. <laughs> Alan yeah. Hutton. Our centre backs. One of them scored, so it's not that difficult. Uh, Eunice Kabul. Eunice Kabul. And I think he was partnered with William Gallas. Was with William Arsenal's former captain. It was him, wasn't it? Mm. He played brilliant Gallas that day. I remember it. He got absolute dogs abuse. I think Gallas scored in the 4-4 as well. Did he score he did. in the 4-4? Yes, Before he did. Then, yeah. um, left back. Asuikoto. Asuikoto. Must have been, yeah, that yeah, time. Yes. Yeah. 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 Now we're into our midfield. We had, yeah, we had two central midfielders. And to be honest, right now, I'd take both of them. Genus and Modric. Yeah. Genus and Modric, yeah. And then we had a right player and a left, well, yeah, right-sided player and a left-sided player. Well, no, but Bale was playing, wasn't he? Because he, yeah. he set the goals up. Lennon and Van der Vaart. Well, yeah, playing. Van der Vaart was playing sort of number <laughs> 10. And then up front. Was it, I feel like Defoe came on. Was it, was it Crouch? No, Crouch came Roman, on as well. Roman, Roman, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Defoe came on for Lennon. Yeah. On uh, the 46th minute, Crouch came on for Pav, and then Palacios came on for Van der Vaart. And then our substitutes were Kudicini, Basson, Chorluca, Bentley, Palacios, Crouch, Defoe. Arsenal had Fabianski, Senya, Kachelny, Skolacci, Clichy, Fabregas, Nasri, Danielson, Song, Arshavin, Shamak. And on the bench, there's Chesney, Juru, Ibue, Riziki, Walcott, Wilshire, Van Persie. They had a good, like, a much better yeah, team than we did. Yeah, they were decent then, not they? That, that, our team... It's something else though, like that Modric, Van der Vaart, Bale. Yeah. Like, that Dangerous, is, isn't it? It is. And you know what? Even with Alan Hutton at right back. 
who hit his dad on a night out didn't he that's my favorite alan hutton story (laughs) your dad outside the chip shop on a night out well do you remember and do you remember when kashelny left arsenal went to have a french team do you remember the video he did do you remember that where he took off an Arsenal shirt to reveal the, the shirt he was moving to. This was their club captain. They've got a history of selling their club captains, haven't they? Because they sold Van Persie as well recently. Fabregas. They sold Shelney, Fabregas. That's hilarious. Um, I met Peter Crouch last week. Did you? He's very tall. <laughs> and he was a bit weird because it, it was a thing at Dulwich Hamlet that was part of the... Um, the fan-led review into football governance and about sort of, you know, like talking to influential, I'll tell you who else I met, but it sounds like terrible name dropping. Um, but anyway, Peter Crouch is the director of football at Dulwich Hamlet. I didn't know that. No, I didn't know that. And they're making like a documentary about it. And so people were saying hello and I met the manager of Dulwich Hamlet and he said, oh, hi, I'm Peter. I said, I know who you are. I'm a Spurs fan. And then it was a bit weird. Oh, really? I wish I'd sort of said something else. I mean, he was, he was actually, he was nice and He's quite an interesting guy and, you know, really articulate and it had some really interesting things to say about football at that level. So it was nice to meet him. But I think because of who we all were all there to meet later, maybe he was a bit nervous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, I've, I've had a few mates who met him in Ibiza. Right. And I've got some photos of him and like he's, he's doing the wanker side in the photo and it, that's pretty good. I always liked him. Um, cracking podcast as well yeah no i think he's good he's you know he knows he knows his stuff and i think it's a good thing for him to be doing because from a dulwich hamlet perspective having someone like him as your director of football means you've got a different you know you're Mm. able to do things in a slightly different way right well on that have you seen about michael owen michael owen has become the ambassador for pakistan football and the announcement says Owen will take the reins of Pakistan football to help devise a strategic partnership programme by uniting the nation with the might of football in England. What does that even mean? I mean, Michael Owen is the most boring pundit you'll ever... But he, do you remember the adverts that he did, the whiskey advert? The whiskey was one. Like a Japanese whiskey brand when he's that like... That was amazing. My passion in life is horse racing. That yeah. one is just well, the, incredible. And the one where he's in the helicopter, the tourism one, yeah. was it Dubai? That was amazing as well. So good. So good. And what a strange appointment that is. But The only thing I can think is, obviously, there is a big Pakistani community in this country. So I guess if you're trying to get who, who I guess, a football someone's decided that there there's football fans among them and thought that actually what you need is a big name player to get them interested in their national team rather than in England, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I hope so. Whether Michael Owen's the answer, Owen. I couldn't tell you. That's it. That's a good That's a good uh, quiz round. What is Michael Owen the uh, the answer to? <laughs> but he, he is part of a group of footballers who I think, like, people have forgotten how good they were. I'm going to put Shearer, Lineker... Torres, Shevchenko into that that bracket where people just forget like they were the best in the world like really unbelievable like my club would just score goals for fun. You mentioned Shevchenko though ASD and like I remember being like so shocked like that it didn't work at Chelsea because mm. like he was like, like you said he was so good like it was like you couldn't even it wouldn't even be a possibility that he would move and not score 30 yeah. league goals and it just it just didn't, and it was it was incredible to see it. I do remember him scoring an absolute screamer for Chelsea at Spurs in a cup tie, about 25 yards he put in the top corner, and it was like, 
Yeah, of course he was struggling for form and he started against Spurs and put one in the top corner from distance. Yeah, it, he he's just... I, it, it's hard. He must be one of the greatest Ukrainian players to ever play. But, I mean, when he was playing for AC Milan, he was... I, it, I'm struggling now because he's... That AC it. Milan team was ridiculous. Oh, Absolutely we, ridiculous. We bring it up, don't we? I'm going to pull it up again. The... Uh, what was it? Two thousand was it two thousand six? The Istanbul. In, like the players in that Milan side were just on another level. Like, and when you compare them to the team that lost to Liverpool, you think, how did Liverpool win that game? But it's the Milan side in do. isolation is one of the best club sides. Oh, let me read it out to you. So you had Dida, who was the last keeper, I think. We just thought you're never going to score past him. I don't have that of any keeper now. He just looked massive, and he just looked like he would knock you out. Then you had just Cafu at right back with Yapstam, Alessandro Nesta and Paolo Maldini, maybe the greatest back four ever made. Then in the middle, you had Perlo, Gattuso, Seedorf, Kaká with Sheshenko and Crespo with Abiati, Costa Curta, Rio Costa, Serginho and John Dal Thomason on the bench with Ancelotti in charge. And you, like how like, they obviously went 3-0 up and were running it. That, I think the third goal is it where Crespo dinks it over the uh, Dudek? Was it's just unbelievable. Yeah, Liverpool's team: Dudek, Finnan, Carragher, Hippier, Jimmy Triore, Alonso, Garcia, Gerard, Risa, Kuehl, Milan Barros, with Scott Carson, Josemi, Dieter Harman, Nunes, Igor Biscan, Cisse, and Vladimir Smitsa on the bench. Like that shows the value of having a plan and having a team spirit. That's if we're right. going to wheel it back to Spurs, yeah, <laughs> and and also the difference. Stevie G in the middle of the park does make a slight difference. Well, well, yeah, like I would put that Milan team against any in the world. Like really, up up there with that Barca team that was that was uh, from that beat Man United at Wembley. But I mean, jeez, I'm just trying Incredible. to see what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He won the Ballon d'Or, didn't he? This was when the Ballon d'Or was won by anyone other than Messi. That's the, <laughs> yeah. the thing, because like I remember growing up and being really excited to see who was going to win it, and like. Kids these days haven't had that since. Apart from the weird, weird year a couple of years ago when Modric won it. Do you remember? That was just like someone has to win it. That's yeah. not them to, and it's like. Strange. Didn't Fabio Cannavaro win it? Yeah, he won well. it in 2006. Like, is it the only defender to have won it, or something like that? Defenders Maybe. don't win it, do they? But I mean, I just I'm looking back of all the names. So if you go 2007, Kaká, then Cannavaro, Ronaldinho, Shevchenko, Nedved, Real Ronaldo, Michael Owen. In 2001, Figo, Rivaldo, Zidane. Like, that's pretty exciting Incredible, stuff. Isn't it? Incredible. Yeah. yeah, some amazing players there. Um, any other business before we close this week? No, like, like we always say, like, it's only football. Just enjoy yeah. it. Like, we, we are a bit mediocre. Like, just, that's fine. We were in the Champions League final a few years ago. Don't worry about that. That's long gone. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, even at. I, I, maybe that I, it sounds terribly mawkish, but like even at three nil down, it was funny. There were moments yeah. of, like that's where I like the gallows humour the most about all of those things. And actually, it was funny. And a lot of people feel like that now. There was lots of people who were very angry, but do you know who was the most angry? Which astonishes me, the Arsenal fans. We were right by the seg line. They were off their heads at that seg line. At even at three nil, I don't know, just shouting at us. It's just weird, isn't it? There's I some know. very angry people. It's out so there. weird. Bless them. 
Oh, and thanks to the person who won't be listening to this, obviously, because they're an Arsenal fan, who threw that full bottle of water that hit me. That was a really nice way to have to walk mm. home covered in water. Well, think, Chris, if, if certain fans have their way, that'll be beer in a few months' time, won't it? <laughs> that is... Exactly. At least it dried and I didn't stink all the way home. Oh, God. Football, does it never underestimate... It, I, 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 breaks my head how bad they are at understanding what we love about football. They try and commoditize everything that's good, the fans, and then they just charge you prices for everything else that you sort of have to do. And then they, they don't think about things. Don't do beer in, in the stands. People are going to get smashed and they've already it's got a racism and homophobia yeah. problem. It's unbelievable. Whose idea is that? Jack's. <laughs> Even I'm not that stupid. I haven't stupid. followed up on it. I've I've seen it, sort of headlines of it. Whose idea actually is it? I don't know where it's come from, but it's, it's gained quite a lot of momentum, isn't it? Because it's yeah. like, you know, all the media outlets are talking about it. Um, I'm stupid. I'm not stupid enough to come up with an idea like that, though. Like even I know that is just <laughs> ridiculous. Do you know what, the only time I've seen a fight in the stands, though, was at a rugby game. Uh, it was during the Rugby World Cup, and that was that was actually I, w- I went to. France versus Italy in the World Cup when it was here and uh, someone kicked over someone's pint like an Italian I think kicked over a French person's pint and uh, they just went at it that I'm pretty sure I could talk about rugby for a long time that was do you remember when Japan beat South Africa in in the Amex the game after that was France I'm pretty sure it was France Italy at at Twickenham and there was a fight then but I mean it was a third having said all of those things I don't drink beer apart from I do have the odd pint at mm. football and I would quite like to sit in my seat and have a beer and I'm yeah. sure there are thousands like me who would do the same the yeah. problem is there will be a few who will get totally off their nuts and they'll be the ones that will be racist and homophobic and all the rest of it so it's just a shame because I think the majority of football fans would just be normal have a normal relationship with a drink whilst you're watching the game so that's I think that's the sad thing about it really is about how you how you kind of how you temper that yeah. because actually it might be quite nice to be mm. able to have a drink while you're in your seat. Yeah, 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 I'm fully with Same you. Same as always, isn't it? It's a few ruining it for everyone else, isn't it? And you just can't trust them. Like remember all the footage of England and the Euros, like when we scored all the beer going everywhere and it's like Imagine taking your kids to a game or like yeah. it would just be like, you know, like I just don't I just it wouldn't be an inclusive move at all for football to do it. So yeah. like, I don't even there, understand. I think there's that for sure. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't understand how it's even got to the point where it's been discussed. Like how has somebody just not shut that down early and gone? No, that's not a good move. Well, have but, you been watching that programme on the BBC about the rise of the Premier League? No. So it's a documentary. I think it's BBC Two. It's on the iPlayer. It's actually really good. It's a four-part documentary, and it's all about the rise of the Premier League. And it starts with like you know Sky making like a multi-million-pound bet on this football league, and the David Dean is there at the beginning saying, you know, I'd been in America and looking at how they do football, do sport in America, and I thought we're not doing any of this. And they tried with things like their equivalent of cheerleaders and like weird kind of mascots like bowling each other over and stuff, and that didn't work. But they realised what did work was, you know, the, you know, all the kind of the content, the camera, the, you know, like making a story about it. The fact that we're doing this is a product of that, I'm sure. But one of the things that David Dean said was, I realised from America that, you know, when you're sat there, there's a constant strain of like, do you want a beer? Do you want a hot dog? Do you want some popcorn? Whatever, whatever, whatever. 
And I guess as they've lost money, particularly at this at the very top level in the Premier League, you realise that actually you're losing income by having people sitting in their seats and not drinking beer for the full 90 minutes. And that yeah, yeah. considering how much revenue you can generate, it's a good, it's, you know, you look at yeah, Dalek the- Tablet, for example, that's where, you know, they really struggled during the pandemic because that the where they make their money is by their beer takings. Yeah, the, so I, I've looked into this, right? And the the problem is the the problem is for the American versus the UK thing is mm. is the American sports were built to be commercial. Like you have a look at how many yeah. breaks they have, how many stops in play. All the sports are stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. Hockey, baseball, football, uh, basketball. They're all stop, start, stop, start. Which is why you can you can always go out and eat. It's, it, you just you can go in and out. Um, and so that there is the opportunity there. What I'd like is, as it's going to be a bit more like the theatre, you know how if you go to the theatre, and I don't go often, but I have been, but at half at the interval, they have the people with the ice cream, you know, with the with the little spoons in the, the tops. I much prefer that to beer. I'd love a, a half-time ice cream because my voice is always sore, you know, a little bit of like dairy, a little bit of sweetness to give me some sugar. That would be far more interesting than beer because, Chris, you've never experienced this, I don't think, but... The half-time toilets at, uh, in a football ground are one of the worst environments ever. They are a like a I steam bet. room, like a salty steam room. It is the worst. <laughs> oh, it that's is, a description. Oh. It, it is. It, you know, you see on cartoons when they go to like a poisonous swamp and there's like green smoke everywhere. That's yeah. what it's like. It's horrendous. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah. Um, I haven't watched it. I've been watching Vigil, um, which is mental. Did you watch that? Yep. I know. Mitchell, the one on the submarine, Jack. Oh, mate, you missed out. It's, 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 it's enjoyable. Also on the iPlayer. Also on the iPlayer. And actually, you've got it to look forward to because you can watch it back to back. It's been really annoying having to wait a week to right. watch this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there we go. TV recommendations to win the pods. <laughs> you, know, you know stuff's bad at Spurs when we're talking about uh, was it Anything. Salty, steam, salty steam rooms and the iPlayer. <laughs> it's a pleasure as always seeing you both um tough week but look, let's hope things turn around soon and remember whatever does happen future's bright future's lily white come on you spurs i always thought there was very very many people interested in football and i always thought that football was a very important game but i never realized until today just how important it is whether the Wonder Boys of White Hart Lane are or are not the team of the century can't possibly be more than a matter of opinion. Well, they're the finest team in Great Britain and one of the best in the world. We are about the glory of the game. We are about playing with style. We are Tottenham Hotspur. the ball, the billow of the net, the beating of the trap and the picking of the lock, the swiftness of thought, the lightness of touch. We are Ginola, Greaves, Klinsman. We are the collective gasp, the intake of breath, the flick, the trick, the 30-yard free kick. We are Hoddle, Mabbott and King. We are the lob, the chip, the dummy, and the volley. We are the hat trick, the scissor kick. We are Bill Nick. That is schoolboy's own stuff. 
We are the outside of the boot, the inside of the net, and those seconds that last forever. Van der Vaart to level it up. Raphael van der Vaart, 2-2! It's quite a game, isn't it always? We are Jennings, Defoe and Perryman. Glory past, glory future. What was, what is, what's next? We are Blanchflower, Ardelis and Bale. We are about winning with a flourish. We are about winning with style. We are about the glory of the game. Daring to try, daring to risk, daring to dream. To dare is to do.